everybody and welcome back to the creative kindergarten podcast my name is amanda and i'm an early childhood educator in ontario canada and this podcast is a place where i talk about all things kindergarten i pick a topic for the week and i share my thoughts my ideas my learning around that topic and this week's episode i'm gonna jump right into it it's all about coding in kindergarten i know that this week um, or this time of the year a lot of kindergarten educators are jumping into coding because students are ready for it and so i thought this would be a great topic for this week's episode um so let's just get started First off, I've probably already done at least one other episode about coding for podcasts, uh, for this podcast. So if that's something that you want to have a listen to as well, in case I give other ideas, I don't remember what I said in other episodes of the podcast. So um, in case you want to take a listen to that as well, if you're really into starting coding with your kindergarten students, I will link those in the show notes for you, or you can scroll through um, my podcast topics and um, take a look at uh, what I've shared in the past. I also have a ton of blog posts and by a ton I mean two. Um, I had two blog posts about teaching coding in kindergarten that I will also link for you so that you can um, you know have a look if you're more of a visual person like I am and I share a lot of ideas there as well but in this podcast episode I just wanted to share some like really practical easy ideas that you can just get started with with your students so that you can just jump into it and um, it ha- doesn't have to be like a scary thing sometimes we think coding is a really like scary subject especially if we've never taught about uh, coding before in kindergarten but I'm going to reassure you that it is not scary it is actually pretty easy to teach coding especially in the kindergarten grade because there are so many tools out there that are ready to do it for you um, so the basically how I explain to coding to my students is that just like we speak a language to communicate with each other we are speaking English in the classroom or whatever language that you're speaking I say some people speak at different languages we have friends that speak Tamil Urdu French Spanish Um, a computer has its own language that we need to use to be able to communicate with it and tell it what to do. So coding is that language. And of course, as adults, we know that there's lots of different coding languages. Uh, There's Python. I know in um, high school especially, and in my early 20s, I learned to code in HTML. Uh, There's lots of different Uh, coding languages out there that you can learn but for kindergarten students we're going to start really simple and the first place that I start is directional coding and directional coding is just placing arrows on a grid to create uh, it doesn't even have to be on a grid but I like to add the grid in there um, to tell to make a path for something to get from one point to the other we create a path along the grid with arrows that's that's it that's as simple as it can be in kindergarten Um, if you're looking for ideas for this I have a whole unplugged coding pack that you can get with different themes in it there's a spring one where you have to I think code the caterpillar to the butterfly if I'm remembering correctly that comes with the grid it comes with the images it comes with the the arrows my students love doing this it's really simple for them and you just have to explain to them that they have to make a path they have to code a path um, for them to get from point A to point B. And it can be as simple as that. Um, I've made different manipulatives that students can use. I've made uh, plastic canvas arrows that you can check out on my Instagram if that's something that you're interested in looking at. But it's basically um, 
just pieces of plastic with yarn with arrows on them that students can use um, that we use during unplugged coding activities. I've used uh, different kinds of grids where I've taped grids on tables. I've made grids on um, large pieces of construction paper. You can make a grid anywhere. You can make a grid outside using chalk and students can like physically move within the grid itself and um, other students can code a path for them by telling them to move forward, to turn, to move up, whatever it is. So that's usually where I start with coding. I start with unplugged coding. There's no technology required. It's just coding a path with arrows. It can be as complicated or as simple as you want. I shared um, today on my Instagram a picture that I um, had students do was code the life cycle of a butterfly or a duck. I placed the different life cycles on a grid and students had to, you know, um, go from the uh, for the butterfly life cycle from the butt uh, the the egg to the caterpillar to the chrysalis to the butterfly and they had to code a path to get to all four stages of the life cycle so you can get more complicated and add more points that they have to go to within their path but it can start just like super simple unplugged coding plenty of ideas and resources out there to get you started Another way you can go is using robots. There's so many different robots on the market. Uh, your school might have some. I know our teacher librarian is always um, purchasing new robots for our students to use. There's lots and lots out there. I kind of break them down, the more, the more popular ones in one of my blog posts. But my favorite one by far is the Bbot. It's really simple for students to use. It's, you know, a cute little bee looking thing and students love uh, coding this little bee bot and it's the one I have is rechargeable. I think they all are. One of the things I would definitely look at if you're looking to purchase a robot for your classroom is checking if it's chargeable or if it needs batteries because some of them do need batteries and then you're just constantly having to change batteries and it can get annoying. But the bee bot is my like number one top pick for the classroom. Uh, my students love using it. We take it out to code all the time and that also uses directional coding. So it uses those arrows that students have to code into the Bbot to tell it where to move. So it kind of translates really well from like the unplugged coding, uh, directional coding activities where they use um, arrows to code a path. They need to use arrows to code a Bbot. So it's a good transition from the unplugged to a robot and bonus um, if again you're an educator who's a little bit worried about jumping into coding, unsure of like next steps. It's so easy with the Bbot. Like there's not really a lot of learning that needs to happen. It's made for kids. Um, they're always excited to use it. I've, I've tried to let students figure it out on their own um, this year, uh, that didn't quite work for this group of students, but I'll try again next year with the next group of students to see if they can just figure out how to use it on their own. And yeah, super simple. Um, another robot that I absolutely love is called a Sphero. This one is a bit more complicated to use, but it, it's so much fun and it's a really durable like sphere that just rolls around on the floor and it can go quite quickly. But the fun thing about Sphero is that it can go in water. It's waterproof. So you can make it go through water. It goes, um, it can go up and down. It like has enough power that it can go up and down like uh, small ramps. I've used it to paint before and that was a ton of fun. So there's like lots of different things that you can do. 
uh, with a sphero as well. There's also another one called Dash and Dot. Um, I give my thoughts on that one, I think, in my in my blog post. Uh, it's fun and there's lots of accessories that you can buy for it, but it's not like my super favorite. Again, if I'm choosing one, it's going to be the Beebot. There's also the Code and Go mouse that's pretty similar to the Beebot. It's um, a mouse instead of a bee and it comes with different accessories. I think that one runs on batteries though. So again, just looking at the different options, seeing, um, weighing the pros and cons of them, seeing the needs of your students and what you'll get the most use out of. I know I've seen a lot of people buying the Code a pillar. Uh, I think that's just too young for students. Like if you have one, of course, use it. Like don't say you can't use it um, if you have one at your disposal. But I think like after a couple of times using it, these students are going to lose interest. So that wouldn't be my like number one first pick to buy for the classroom if I'm going to be spending money on something. But if you have it, go ahead and use it. So we've got directional coding unplugged with arrows, making a path. We've got robots. And of course we have other things that we can do with our students as well. We can move into um, using different apps and websites that students can use to code. So this takes up their coding um, learning a little bit. And again, because it's like apps and websites that were built for kids, it takes the load off of you as an educator. Like it's always great to play around with it first, but because it's built for kids, like you'll catch on so quickly and the students will catch on so quickly because again, it's built for kids. I'm not, I'm not using things that's built for high school and trying to like teach my kindergarten students how to use it. This is stuff that was built for kindergarten students and they're able to use. Um, there's a, um, an app, so there's a website that you can use it off of. It didn't work very well. So I got my board to approve the, oh, I, they, it was already approved, but I got the board to put the app on my iPads for the classroom. It's called Codable, K-O-D-A-B-L-E. I learned about that um, app in a recent workshop. And so you can create a profile for each of your students. They log in using the class QR code and find their name. So it saves their spot in the game and they have to code these little fuzzies around different um, challenges. And my students, we used it the other day and my students loved it, even though we were trying to use the website and it was not working very well and it was getting a little bit frustrating. I was feeling frustrated. They started to feel a little bit frustrated just because they kept crashing and not loading properly because of the website. Um, but now that we have the app, they're going to be super excited to be able to continue learning about uh, coding these little fuzzies and it brings them like through different challenges and teaches them different methods of coding and how they have to write the code and all that kind of stuff. I, full disclosure, I just gave them the iPads with Codable on it. I didn't explain to them anything. The app walked them through all of it. I didn't have to do anything. It was fantastic. So if again, you do not have to be scared of any of these things, it's built for kids. Uh, it's a game for kids, but it's teaching them how to code. It was fantastic. So um, there is a paywall for it after a while. Like if they play through all of the certain number of levels after a while, it does like become a paid app. But my students, one of my students played with it like for a while the other day and he never reached the end of it. So um, if that's an introduction to coding, you can start there and it's 
free up until a certain point. I haven't reached the paid point yet. So um, I'm not sure when that gets there. But uh, just so you know, that it's not something that you'll be able to use forever with your students. And I think that once you reach the paid point, um, if you want, I think it just restarts it at the beginning for students so they can just work through it again. So that's an option for you there. Um, another website that my students love using and I've used a ton of in the past is code.org. And again, this is made for kids. Um, you make a class account and that, or you make yourself a teacher account, sorry. And then you make a class within that and you can assign them. I do the pre-reader course. I assign them that one and it work walks them through how to code. And again, I just let them figure it out. I don't do anything. I play around with it so I know how to problem solve certain things. So I know what, what it's asking, but I just let my students figure it out. And again, made for kids, super easy. They're able to work through it. And if they sign in using, like they, you don't necessarily have to sign in, but if you make them student accounts, um, it'll save their progress and they can come back to it another time. So that's always really helpful as well. That's code.org. The first one was Codable, K-O-D-A-B-L-E, which was an app. Code.org is a website that students can use. Um, super easy as well. Now those are more, I, I think they go into other things other than directional coding, but it's following along like with like the pre-made challenges that the website and the app have. There's an app called Scratch Junior. There's Scratch which is like um, a more advanced version, but you wanna start them with Scratch Junior. And Scratch Junior works um, is where students can code their own kind of game or their own kind of um, simulation on the this app. So they go to code, uh, they go to the, the Scratch Junior app and they can pick, you know, the, the characters, they can pick the background and then they code what the characters do on the screen. So this uses block coding. So I would play around as an educator, I would play around with block coding a little bit first and I'm sure there's tons of um, YouTube videos about how to do block coding as well. Um, just to show them the basics of how block coding works about using the start green um, flag and then attaching all the other blocks that they want to it to create kind of like a chain of um, actions that the little they call it it's, I'm calling it a character they call them sprites within the app so uh, coding what this sprite is going to do you create a chain of blocks that are all attached together to move it around on the screen make it bigger larger move faster slower um, and move in all kinds of directions so you can play around with um, Scratch Junior. In all honesty, I had a student playing the Codable uh, website before I figured out the app and he was loving Codable. He was there for a long time, but the website just was frustrating him and he was frustrating me. He was getting like, I, I will preach patience all day long, but this was getting insane. So I was like, oh, and he was loving the coding part of it and he'd had it figured out. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna show you this other app. So I downloaded the Scratch Junior app to the iPad and I showed him like basically just what to look for and how to use the app really simply. It took me maybe 30 seconds and then he was off. And he was loving it. It took me 30 seconds to explain some basics and then he just played around with it. And he was playing around with block coding and he was able to code around this sprite and make it do different things and he was super excited about it. So 
it doesn't have to be a super complicated lesson around coding. You want to kind of introduce to them the concept so that they don't get frustrated or they don't lose their interest in it and then just let them play with it. If as they get better and they're really interested in it, you want to give them challenges or you want to give them um, an activity or something that they have to do, um, then by all means, go for it. But at the beginning, you definitely just want to let, to let them play with it and just to let them explore it and figure it out because we know our students are so capable in this area. We want to allow them that time to figure things out on their own. So the Scratch Junior um, block coding is fantastic for this. If you have somebody who is like crazy interested in block coding and they've done like an amazing job with Scratch Junior and they've somehow surpassed that, I know that can happen. Um, there's the Scratch website that has even more complex blocks that students can use to code. So that's also available to them as well. Um, if that's something that you're looking for kind of like a next step for your students, um, that would be the Scratch website. So there you have it, my quick and easy coding activities for kindergarten. This will get you started. Um, and if it's something that you wanna incorporate into your program all year, I started directional coding unplugged with my students at the beginning of the year. We did introduce a B-Bot earlier in the year as well. But if you're, you know, if you're just getting started at this point in the school year, that's great. It's maybe later in the school year. Maybe this is when your students are ready. Maybe this is when you're ready to take this on. Take it on whenever. And then next year you can do it a little bit earlier or you can wait as well. It's just a great um, spatial reasoning for students as well. If you're looking at it through a math lens, there's some amazing spatial reasoning skills happening um, for uh, in a like a literacy sense, the oral language and communication skills that students can use when they have to work in teams to do it. Um, the cooperation, the problem solving that is happening. You can incorporate science topics like the life cycle that I did. You can do so much with coding and it can embed so many other skills within it that it doesn't just have to be, oh, I'm teaching coding to my students. You're teaching them to problem solve. You're teaching them to communicate. You're teaching them about spatial awareness. You're teaching them all of these life skills that students need to be successful and to work together as a team. So it can be so much more than just, I'm teaching my kids how to code. It can be, um, about so much more in your classroom. So um, again, start off with some directional unplugged coding with some arrows along a grid, get from point A to point B, add some extra points in there. Then you can do some robots if you have access to them. I'm not saying you have to go out and buy robots by any means, but you can, if you have access to robots, you can move on to robots. Then you can also use the different apps that I talked about, like Codable, which again, starts with a K. I know it's confusing because of code a C and Codable is a K. Um, Codable, Code.org, Scratch Junior, and then you can move on um, to more complicated coding if your students are there. Um, I haven't, my other than the one little peanut that was really interested in block coding, I might be able to take them a little bit further, but I'm not sure. We'll see how his interests, interests go, but there's lots of other stuff you can do as well. 
Um, and if that's something that you're interested in learning more about, definitely reach out to me and I can give you suggestions or I can point you in the direction of some other resources as well. Um, you can find me as always over on my Instagram, Creative Kindergarten Blog on TPT is my Instagram handle. It's in the show notes for you, but um, if you just start typing in Creative Kindergarten, you should be able to find me. You can also find me on my blog, creativekindergartenblog.com. I will link all of the blog posts and things that I have about coding in the show notes for you if you're looking to visually see what unplugged coding with a coding, um, like, uh, coding grid and arrows looks like. And also you can um, find me on my YouTube channel. I have a video about unplugged coding on my YouTube channel that I will link as well. So lots of um, resources to, you know, make you comfortable with coding or to give you more ideas if you've already just started coding with your students and you're looking for the next level. I've got lots of resources for you, but again, you can reach out to me if you have anything else and make sure you are following me on your podcasting platform so you don't ever miss an episode of the Creative, Creative Kindergarten Podcast. I can't even say the name of my own like brand anymore. Uh, make sure you're following me so you are notified whenever I put out new episodes of the podcast, which is usually every Tuesday. Thank you so much for joining me and I will talk to you all again next time. Thank you.